What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. That's right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ears Up In-Depth, the show that Jeremy and I created specifically to spend more time together. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and doing? it works. It does work. It does work. Absolutely. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm pretty great. I'm, are you? I'm ready to do this. You are. I'm excited. I'm getting ready to fly out there next week. Yeah, we're going to be uh, doing three hours of live Christmas theme. Well, not really even Christmas theme. I don't know. It's just a Christmas show. But yeah, I guess there are Christmas themes to the show. We're going to do three hours of show, actually, and then two hours of secret show, which is a lot of drinking. <laughs> right. It's not, a lot of, it's not a lot of broadcasting. It's not a lot of talking. <laughs> it's a lot of drinking. Uh, that's right. Actually, we, and we just had a big staff meeting last night, as a matter of fact, to talk about this and planning shows for the future and all that kind of stuff. So 2020 is going to be a good year for us. I, I feel it. We have a lot of cool shows left in the tank here. But uh, on Saturday, December 14th, and this show will probably post this coming Saturday or Sunday. It's like today or tomorrow or something like that. So we have a week to, to, to prep for it. But um, – we're going to have Heather, our food blog, uh, um, food blogger. She's coming in, our food correspondent. She's going to be coming in live in the studio. She lives in, in Northern California. So she's going to be hanging out with us talking about uh, all sorts of different, uh, what does Disney call it? Bites and sips? Treats and eats. Treats and eats, man. I hate all that. But uh, all the different food and stuff that, that – her favorite stuff from the parks from 2019. It's a little bit from Disneyland Paris because she just went there recently. Of course, we're going to have Jeremy talking about something. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the music of Disney's Christmas parades. There we go. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to do a secret Santa exchange. Everyone on the, on the, uh, the radio exchange names, and we're going to give gifts to each other. And I think it'll be really funny. They're going to be Disney-related. And uh, if that sounds boring, it's going to take 15 minutes. So, so you know, tune in, though. It'll still be fun. I'm dying to find out who got me. <laughs> me too, honestly. Me too. And I, I made a rule, like, no, don't tell anybody anything. Don't say, hey, I got this person. What should I get them? Like, it's secret. It's all secret stuff because I want to be surprised. Do we have to guess? Like, if I, if I open up a present, do oh. I have to guess who got it for me? Oh, that would be good. Yes. Remind me to do that. It would right. be a good time. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it, Jeremy. And, uh, you know, we'll have some drinks. It's going to be great. Yeah. Speaking of great, I'm just going to start out because the news I have is essentially breaking news. It just happened a couple days ago. The big news of the week comes from that long-forgotten trading post of Batu, where the new Star Wars ride opened to much fanfare. 
Yes, Rise of the Resistance is open for business, at least in Walt Disney World. And there's a lot to talk about here, as you can imagine. The story, uh, the story of the, the actual ride, like the whole entire thing, has three distinct acts, much like a movie. So a lot of people are actually saying that this sort of plays like an immersive short film. Because there's there's three clear, distinct you know uh, levels of the plot and all that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty excited about that. The ride clocks in at about 18 minutes if you include like the pre uh, the pre show stuff and the queue and everything, which is also about how long it took for people to start uploading full ride through videos. <laughs> Those are <laughs> all over the internet already. Um, now I haven't watched any of them, but. I'm that guy, which is no surprise here. I'm pretty much that guy for for everything. I don't really like watching movie trailers because of spoilers. I I hate that because inevitably I can always, uh, and it's not a a skill that I'm particularly proud of or or one that I'm going to brag about. But you know, when you're watching a movie and you see you remember a scene that you saw from the trailer, and then you already know what's going to happen in that scene, or like the hero escapes, which inevitably always happens in every movie, but you, you kind of just know how the scene is going to end because of the trailer. That's why I don't watch trailers, man. It just, it sort of ruins the, the experience or the character reveals or anything like that. So I've, I've, I've had a, a ban on all watching any of these videos. So when you go to the movies, what happens? Is it eyes covered headphones like until the movie starts what do you do for the first half hour that's a good that's a good point and i'm trying to honestly remember the last time i went to the movies and mm. i don't remember the last time i went to the movies um but i think i just don't pay attention really was it ernest goes to jail <laughs> <laughs> ernest saves cell block d is what it really was <laughs> um but seeing how the reactions have been um about the ride, I wouldn't even call the reactions about the ride positive. They're the, the people have been saying that this ride is amazing and life changing. Like literally someone said that, which I know is a Twitter exaggeration. And it kind of annoys me. Like no, you didn't change your life, dude. It's fine. But people are, are expressing themselves uh, in a very positive manner because of, of this ride. So overwhelmingly positive. In fact, I was, I was just chatting with my friend before the show who works, um, who worked on on assembling this uh, this ride specifically? And he's like, I'm watching people come off of this ride, and they're either speechless or crying because it's that good. And and that's it. Nobody hates it. Nobody's like, eh. Everybody has a, a joyful expression or greater on their faces. So I, I'm I'm really pumped for this. Um, for this ride. And we've been talking about, especially on Ears Up, about how internally Disney has been saying that Rise of the Resistance will change the theme park game moving forward if they can pull it off. And it sounds like they did, but that's got to be cool. You're, you know you're sitting on something that is is going to elevate everybody else. <laughs> the high watermark has now been set based on this ride, and um, and people and people love it. Fans were greeted um, in uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios with flying X-Wing drones patrolling the skies, much like we were promised when Batuu was first announced. And everyone was disappointed when all of that kind of stuff got cut due to budget constraints. But apparently the X-Wings are up and they're flying. And then uh, now that it's open in Disney World, all that stuff's being shipped over for the uh, Disneyland opening, which I believe is the 17th of January. I, I think so, something like that. Um, and there's, there was even a live-action lightsaber battle between Kylo Ren and Rey, complete with pyrotechnics. And you can find video on that. I think Thrill List or some one of these sites uh, put up this whole 
interaction. It was very cool. Um, but it was also sort of like stunt-tacular at the same time, you know? Okay. Like, this is, it's, this is Star Wars. It's not Fast and the Furious. It was, I don't know, it was just, it was kind of cheesy, but also kind of cool at the same time for some reason. I think because Star Wars Land sort of had this, this void to fill you know what I mean? Like we've been talking about this on the show, right? It needs more stuff going on, mm-hmm. and and I think because of it, because it had that lack of stuff in general, now that anything that they add is going to be like okay, at least it's it's it, it feels better now. It might not be the greatest thing in the world, but it's still cool because now there's more stuff to to figure out. So I saw the video of that um, that battle. Yeah, and when their when their sword hit something. <laughs> yeah. There were sparks. Yeah, they had like little, um, like you know, pyro, little, little mini pyro. Yeah, yeah, set in the in the uh, in the surrounding area to them. It yes. was cool. It was really neat. Um, as expected, of course, crowd volumes were high for the opening day, but Disney was able to manage them the best they could by rolling out that virtual queue system that they use for Star Wars Land itself on opening day. You know, via the My Disney app. So you save your spot online. You can go do other stuff and be guaranteed to experience. The ride and riders were able to use the system successfully. However, even with the control system in place, lines for the ride were pushing two hours or more, which isn't really bad considering, right? I mean, it's a brand new ride, and you're gonna wait on queue for two hours. I'm I would be okay with that, and I know that breaks my hard forty five minute <laughs> rule, but you know, the first people on the first day to experience uh, Rise of Resistance, I would I would I would line up for that. Yeah, it's actually surprising that it wasn't longer, and it's the opening yeah. day, right? right? So I feel like you can kind of let that let that slide two hours. That's fine. Yeah, I think so too. <clears throat> Excuse me. The downside of that, though, all virtual queue spots were taken up thirty minutes after park open for the whole day. For the whole day. So basically, all the fast passes were gone thirty minutes after the park opened, and even then, people who got their reservation. Uh, were unable to ride the ride at all. And I don't know why. I don't know what happened there. Um, and I'm also not sure what that means for everybody else who didn't even try to queue up. I guess maybe that's the only thing you had to do is queue up. You could not just stand in line without this reservation. You had to be on your phone. Or if you don't have a smartphone with the My Disney app, you can go to guest services and, and queue up that way for your for your um, admission into the ride. But um, Imagine, you know, you're, you can't ride at all. You have a path. You have a thing that's guaranteeing you a time to ride, and you can't ride. Something broke down there. I don't know what happened, but something something got lost in translation, right? Well, the ride was did break down on the first day. That's right. It broke down for about an hour. And, and people had to be evacuated. In. Yeah, which is so crazy. If you have a reservation at a time and it's broken down. Yeah. That's it. But check this out. Disney is making it up to those people who who got a reservation and, and were unable to ride the ride. And this is this is a pretty cool move. Usually we like to bag on Disney for um you know for just sort of being like, Oh, you um I don't know, man, you couldn't ride this ride or something broke down, here's a free Pepsi or <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's a coupon for a free <laughs> churro. But this is what they did for, for folks who, who had a reservation and could not ride the rides. They uh Disney offered them a fast pass plus ticket for any Disney ride and an additional one day park hopper ticket. Well, wow, that's huge. Yeah, that's massive. So, I mean, considering folks were lining up at two in the morning to get in, 
this is a very good way to make it up to those people. And I'm assuming that those people got, you know, first online, so they were able to experience the ride. But still, there had to have been a line. It had to have been a mess, even though it sounds like it went smoothly. Um, a park hopper, a one-day park hopper ticket and a free Fast Pass Plus for any ride, including Rise of the Resistance. So you could queue up, theoretically, ride it again, fire your Fast Pass, and you go again twice. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty insane. That's pretty yeah. much what they got if they were hanging on those gondolas, right? Free <laughs> park hopper. I think they got. Uh, I think they got like three hundred bucks. I, I forget now. I forget. But yeah, something like that. It was something like that. Anyway, Rise of Resistance. It sounds amazing. Everything I've heard about it is good. I've heard nothing bad about it at all. Um, so ride it and let me know. I probably won't get to the parks for another year, so I won't even ride it. Uh, for a while, and I'm very sad about that. But I want to hear about everybody's experience on it. I really do. I'm fascinated with this ride. It sounds amazing. Well, everybody should write in and let you know. That's right. Jason, have you ever considered buying into Disney Vacation Club? Yes. As a matter of fact, I have. Okay. Well, what happened? You're not a member, so it, it obviously <laughs> went south at some point. Um, I feel like it it's i don't know i think it's i think it was too expensive and it was too i think that's what it came down to it's just it was too expensive because you still had to get flights and all the kind of stuff and it's um right. it just it didn't really feel worth it it's a, i agree i've not done it either it's expensive it's limiting but there's about to be a little bit of an expansion with dvc i mean it's always seems to be expanding but uh it appears as though more dvc rooms are coming to the disneyland resort well, Disney World already has plenty. Um, I don't know if you've been there recently, but you can't really swing a dead cat down there without hitting a Disney Vacation Club <laughs> property. Right. They're yeah. everywhere. Uh, but Disneyland currently has DVC at the Grand Californian, and that's it, but not for long. The Los Angeles Times is reporting that two weeks ago, Disney submitted an application to the city of Anaheim to remove a hotel laundry facility at the Disneyland Hotel and some um, some other behind-the-scenes structures in order to make room for a 12-story, 280,000-square-foot building that will ultimately house 350 timeshare units adjacent to the Disneyland Hotel. That's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, the proposed location of the new tower sits between South Walnut Street – so I don't know if you know where that is, but that's the far, far side. So if you're coming out of Trader Sam's and you're looking at the Frontier Tower and you take a right, it's in that direction. So it's pretty much as far away west as you can go on the resort. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's going to be between the the South Walnut Street and Frontier Tower. Um, and like as I said, there's a laundry facility there and it's basically an open grassy area. Disney said the project will create an estimated 550 construction jobs and 100 operational jobs after that once it's completed. Um, now, it was a little over a year ago in October 2018 that Disney canceled plans for a 700-room luxury hotel in the downtown Disney district at the Anaheim Resort, citing the city of Anaheim's elimination of a tax rebate that would have saved Disney $267 million over 20 years. Uh, so this is obviously not going there. It's not going to be over where the um, what, what's that sandwich Earl of Sandwich places. That's where this was. That's where the luxury place is going to be. This is on the, clear on the other side. Right. So Disney is back at it again with new plans for places to stay in Anaheim. What's that sandwich place called? You're like, I actually really like Earl of Sandwich. It, just, it was escaping me for a minute. You were like offended. <laughs> well, because 
I was annoyed the way that whole thing went down. Like they closed yeah. everything. Yeah, that and was let, weird. let all these people go. Yeah, and then they were like, "Oh, we're bringing it back." Every, it. Yeah, everybody, it's man. Like, and and then the Rainforest Cafe was like, "Oh, we're gonna bring everybody back to open up again," but that hasn't happened yet. So. I feel bad for for all of those cast members. So everybody who works in downtown Disney. They're they're Disney employees. They're cast members. I feel bad for all those people because they don't they don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, well, it's you expect a company the size of Disney to kind of have a long term strategy that they're constantly working toward, but it seems <laughs> yeah. that there's often often a lot of knee jerk reactions, <laughs> and I just think that was emblematic of of that description of them as being very knee jerk, right? So. But uh, as far as we know, DVC now coming to more DVC coming to Anaheim. Okay, that is interesting. I think part of the reason we one of the reasons we didn't really look into it a whole lot is I think the only places that were opening up because you pick a base hotel. Right. And that's your home. And then you get a certain amount of points and you can spend less points at your base hotel than you have to spend if you go somewhere else. But I think the only right. places we're opening were like in Disney World, which we never go to. And so we would like to, you know, we if it opens up in like Alani, maybe we would think about it. It is in Alani. No, I know, but there's nothing open. Oh, not available. Got yeah. It. So, yeah. I mean, or Disneyland. I mean, obviously, right? That would be cool. So maybe I wonder how they're going to do reservations and selling spots. Do you sign up for a, a waiting list for that right now? Or that's pretty interesting. I'm not sure how that works. Um, I know that the cheapest one that they have, which is one of the Orlando ones, I believe, is $19,000. <laughs> and then I think the cheapest option along with that is $66 a year. And then you get a certain number of points. But there's a there's a variety of package sizes that you can get yeah. with different amounts of points that you can use. And I mean, look, I'm Gen X, right? I grew up in the 80s where the two worst things that you could purchase was a condo and a timeshare. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so I feel like maybe that's part of it just, in, just ingrained in me to just the timeshares are not a good option. But I know people who have them. I know two people who have them. So maybe I should talk to them. Like well, I, there are some that you actually get a tax benefit because you're deeded the property that you buy into. And mm. so there are benef- financial benefits to that. Disney is not one of them. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> and Disney's also not for life. They say it is, but I think it, it does have like a 20 or 26 year limit. So, but other what? vacation, like Marriott, I think you get, you, it is until you die. Jeez. So, wow. How permanent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking so, yeah. of uh, speaking of dying, Jeremy, <laughs> yes. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure you're aware by now that Frozen Two is out, and not only did it smash box office expectations, but it has made over three hundred million dollars domestically since its release on November 23rd, and made over seven hundred million worldwide. Well, a new lawsuit against Disney alleges, and I say new because there's uh, several pending right now, um, alleges that the reason for this success is because Disney has a monopoly on the big screen, specifically in South Korea, where this lawsuit has been filed. Something called the Public Welfare Committee on Sunday (laughs) filed a suit alleging that Frozen 2 violated the country's antitrust act by showing on 88% of the nation's screens. Of that, over $700 million the film has made, about $62 million came from South Korea. So this isn't small potatoes. And in fact, South Korea is, believe it or not, this blew me away, South Korea is the third largest film market worldwide 
trailing the U.S., of course, and China. That is shocking. It I mean, is. I would thought I would have thought maybe Japan or yeah, Germany, something something like the France. I mean, just you you would think these like big countries, but uh, South Korea has fifty one million people in it, and and of those fifty one, that fifty one million people makes up the third largest film market in the world. So they are film hungry, and they have a, a, a huge indie scene, which we'll get to in a second. But they they love films, they love movies, and this is why it's a big deal over there. The accusations hinge upon a clause in the nation's antitrust act that quote defines any individual or company with over fifty percent of market share as a quote market dominant enterprise. Disney has attempted to monopolize the screens and seek great profit in the short term, restricting the consumer's right to choose. PwC's complaint said. Now, there's no limit in place to the amount of screens a film can occupy in current Korean law, so they're just depending on this antitrust act to sort of like self-regulate that. Um, but in, even even then, the method for calculating the percentage of screens showing a particular film isn't even universally accepted. The Korean Film Council, which is run by the state government, uh, puts the screen share of Frozen 2 at 46%, not 88%, as originally reported and, and, and filed in this lawsuit. But even through this competing information, Jeremy, there's still overwhelming support in the Korean government to limit how much of the film market any one movie can take. Last Monday, a group of filmmakers calling themselves the Synesties Council for Anti-Monopoly, I'm sure I didn't say that properly, but whatever, uh, issued a statement urging the government to address the issue aggressively. Quote, the screen monopoly is not a one-off case, the group said. Uh, Again, quoting them, the government has to tackle the winner-take-all cinema market. And they are. Upon taking office in April, Korea's incoming culture minister, minister Park Yang-woo, promised to consider implementing a screen quota system for the domestic movie industry. This is how serious they take films over there. That same month, National Assembly Representative Wu Sang-ho of the ruling Democratic Party of Korea floated a bill that states the percentage of any film being shown at any multiplex theater cannot surpass 50% during prime movie-going hours, which is between 1 p.m., and 11 p.m. And that bill is currently pending in the National Assembly. That is a bill that <laughs> it's, it's just for, it, it seems outrageous to me that this is the sort of level that they're at over there with with movies and that you have to pass laws to sort of protect the their domestic films from these international monstrosities coming over. What I don't understand is Disney doesn't own theaters. They just distribute movies, so it, obviously the theaters are deciding what they want to show on their yeah on their theaters, and they have a right to do that. I would think they do. Apparently, that's and I think that's where it gets tricky. So I know a lot of the the big movieplex owners are not happy about this, and rightly so, because it, it as you pointed out, it, it limits their income stream. But um, again, oh, I'll just continue for a second. Uh, the Korea, uh, Korea has a booming indie film scene rising up in the mid-90s and contributing to almost half of the movies released in the country last year. Almost half. No, that's not right. A third. Uh, I think there was about 1,000 indie films and then 2,000 uh, like imported films. So it's, it's still a big, big part of Korean 
the Korean movie industry. So you can see why they want to limit the pull of big movies. Frozen 2 is on track currently to surpass the huge success of Disney's first Frozen feature from 2014. That film, Frozen 1, earned $76.6 million, which was the most ever for an animated film in South Korea. So since 2014, no animated film has ever made more than 76.6 mil. Already, Frozen 2 has made 61 mil. So it's it's gonna it's gonna chew through all that, and so that's what people are are just very 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 concerned about. And you have this sort of second wave of interest in Korean films. Um, one of the directors there, I think the film is called Parasite. He just won the Palme d'Or from from uh, I think it was Khan or whatever the the film festival is. But he people are winning like major major awards and getting a lot of major attraction even in Hollywood. So they get a bunch of worldwide press and. The Korean film, uh, you know, film industry is is taking notice of the new, what they call monopoly of Disney at the movie theaters. Okay, I mean, I I have a hard time understanding it because if this booming indie film industry is booming, why would they need regulation to protect it? It's booming. There should be. There's obviously people if they if they want it. If it's booming, they're going and they're going to get it. And the, these theater. Owners would say, "This is a this. There's a demand for this. Let me make sure that certain screens are showing these wildly popular indie films." But they're if they're not, then I think you're right. I think I think you're right. right. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't fully understand. I think what it is is if you have a choice of seeing Frozen Two or Parasite, for example, and you have one weekend to go see one movie, you're going to pick Frozen Two. Probably because it's everywhere. It's pushed everywhere. It's marketed everywhere or whatever. I think indie films just in general are very targeted, um, which is very surprising that there's so many being made and there's such a big industry in, in Korea. Not everybody goes to see indie films, but everyone goes to see Frozen 2. And so if you only, you know, if you're on a budget, like we're on a budget, we couldn't, we couldn't, we wouldn't go see two movies in a month. We would pick one. Okay. So okay. maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. There's got to be some, some amount of, of, of pull. Uh, in people's pocketbooks when they see 88 or 46, depending on your math, uh, percent of the screens showing one movie, you're going to go see that. I don't know. I don't get it either. I think it's a weird lawsuit, to be honest with you. Just let the free market decide, and, you know, there you go. It happens. Yeah. I'm the kind of person, if there isn't a movie playing, like if if Frozen's the only thing playing but I don't want to see Frozen – I just don't go to the movies. <laughs> right. right. Like, it's not like I'm a slave. And I'm like, well, here we go. We have to go. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I need to know. I was reading some article and this guy was like, well, you know, when I when Frozen uh, first came out, my son was three and my daughter was six. And now my son is nine and my daughter is math. And, you know, I, we, we want to find out what where what's happening to Elsa and Anna. I'm like, do you why do you think that your kids care or why do you care? Like it doesn't to, to me. That's why I don't go to the movies anymore. To me, it doesn't really matter. Movies are weird. I'll just watch it at home. But I'm also I get in very very weird and specific moods, and that change all the time. And it's yeah. very annoying. And Taryn gets very annoyed at me, and I get annoyed with myself. But that's just who I am. I just I'm pretty fickle with stuff. So I will just watch it on TV. I don't want to go to the movies because I don't want to pay 15 bucks and then you pay 15 bucks for popcorn and $8 for a small drink and then you eat all your popcorn before the movie starts and then you have to go to the bathroom halfway through and it's just a whole it's a whole thing, man. <laughs> so do you have these fans? See, I'm into it because I like the experience of going. Like we here in New York. I'm, sh- 
You, you, what? You, what? What experience you get? The sticky floor syndrome, you know, where you shuffle your feet and it goes, and, and, just, and just sitting next to people coughing on their phone. And, yeah, I love that. You do? No. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe this isn't a trend that's caught on there, but there's all these fancy theaters here where you're in a recliner and you can get you can order a Manhattan and you have a you can get like a bucket of champagne at your seat and sit back and enjoy. It. And it's wonderful. I mean, you can get tacos in there. There are some theaters like that here. They're like the, the sort of uh, uh, Alamo Draft House model. We have a couple places like that. That's that's not that fancy you don't get champagne or i don't think mixed drinks but it's like beer and you can order pizza or whatever that's fine um but last time i had a friend who who went this is years ago um he went to one of these draft houses and got mugged outside of it and he got his like oh. jaw broken and it was in oakland and i'm like nope never and that's just who that's who i am i'm not like afraid of it but like i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna bother with it that place closed down later on but uh that was the only place around me that you could do that so we're so far out here in the east bay right like there's nothing there's nothing like that around here Got but it. Th- they exist but i think you know closer to the city which is like an hour and a half away and i'm not trying to do that Oh, well, when you come visit me in New Jersey, we're going to go to a fancy movie theater. I would like to. I actually would like to visit New York um, at some point eventually. All right. Well, we'll get that on the schedule. Did you happen to tune in this week to the Disney Parks live stream of the – they did the Candlelight Processional from Epcot on they, Monday, I think. Did, see, no. And this is my problem with Disney social media is I never – I didn't see it. And I'm on, I'm, I'm on social media all the time. I didn't see it. Nobody told me. Send me an email. I'm on 1,200 email lists for this stupid company. No one sent me an email. I didn't know about it. Gee, okay. Well, I'm angry about it because I really want to see this the stupid processional. I've never been. I've always wanted to go. Nobody brings me. Nobody invites me anywhere. No one loves me enough, and uh, that's just it. Okay. All right. Well, fine. Well, don't worry. I mean, I thought maybe you didn't watch it because uh, my Spectro Time segment on the Candlelight Processional last year was so good. Well, I mean, you just figured you were covered. Well, that's part of it. I mean, okay. All right. I can read between the lines. Um, well, those who did tune into the live stream were surprised with some updates coming to the park. So they weren't just broadcasting, you know, the Candlelight Processional from Epcot. They gave us some park news. Some more details were revealed, including the opening dates of many attractions that we knew were coming, but we just didn't know when we'd see them. Uh, well, wait no more. And for you... And those listening who did not watch the live stream, I have you covered right now. So are you ready? I'm ready, baby. Let's go. Okay. Coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Runaway Railway. <laughs> have you heard about this? Yeah, I have. I'm excited for it. I think it'll be really cool. This attraction uh, that is being built inside the old Great Movie Ride show building at Disney's Hollywood Studios, this will be the first ride-through attraction featuring Mickey and Minnie Mouse, where guests will board a train to go beyond the movie screen. This attraction will officially and finally open on March 4th. 2020. So just a couple months away uh, left of waiting to get on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. The attraction was first announced at D23 back in 2017. So we've been waiting some time for this one. <laughs> um, and in case you didn't know, Disneyland will be getting its own version of the attraction, but uh, not until 2022. So don't fret, Jason. You won't be left out of the fun. Thank God. I don't okay. like being left out of fun. I, I would hate to see you sad. Moving over to Epcot, 
Remy's Ratatouille Adventure coming to the France Pavilion will officially open in summer 2020. So we don't have a specific date on that one. Uh, but until uh, now, there was no specificity of that attraction at all. And now we at least know it will be this coming summer. Of course, the attraction has already been open to guests for almost six years at Disneyland Paris. <laughs> um a ride in which guests feel as small as a rat racing around Gusto's kitchen in Paris from the movie Ratatouille. The France, uh, the France Pavilion at Epcot, one of, in my opinion, the most beautiful, has suffered greatly during the construction of the ride. Recently, all the trees that line the fountains leading up to the theater were removed, I think, detracting from the uh, pavilion's beauty. Um, it's assumed that they were taken away to accommodate the influx of crowds expected when the Remy attraction and the Beauty and the Beast sing-along open. Stop it. If they didn't have a giant influx of people for Rise of the Resistance, <laughs> they're not going to have so many people for Remy's Ratatouille, you know, remix that they need to pull trees. <laughs> Stop it. They're literally bulldozing things. <laughs> get it out of get it out of here. Uh, we're going we're going to need a uh, third gate over here to uh, accommodate everybody. <laughs> we have a special parking lot. Oh, are you here for Remy's uh, Ratatouille, you know, race? Uh, yes, I am. Okay, we'll park here, please. You get preferred parking. <laughs> ridiculous. It's it's very weird. When did that movie come out? A hundred years ago? Yeah, a long time ago. The, I mean, and they, they already have a ride that's open. It seems weird that they would be putting another one in, but I guess I guess what else are you going to do? What else does France have to offer? They should have a winemaking seminar there. It's a very popular attraction in Disneyland Paris. Hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess. And it is very good. It's trackless. It's got all the screens. Um, you know, screens. I love those. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it is still popular even here, just in the sort of zeitgeist of, of merchandise and the way people talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. This is very weird to me. Um, you know, this is weird. When was the last time you heard anybody talk about watching Ratatouille? Never. Yeah. Well, that's not all that's happening. <laughs> um, Darn. Even in the France Pavilion, because we now know that on January 17th, 2020, just over a month away, the Beauty and the Beast sing-along will officially open in the France Pavilion as well. Uh, taking place in the Impressions de France Theater, guests will be able to participate in the new movie that will feature narration by Angela Lansbury, who, of course, played Mrs. Potts in the original animated film. Is she still alive? Apparently, yeah. God bless her. I love Angela Lansbury. Murder, She Wrote is amazing. Yeah. I, thought I'd tell uh, you I, I never really watched that. But I like really? that song. You've I never mean. watched... Dude, you've never watched Murder, She Wrote. Mm, I mean, like I've seen an episode. One. That's it? Which one was it? Yeah. <laughs> Someone died. Okay, weird. As, as far as I know. <laughs> well, January 17th will be a big day at Epcot because in addition to the Beauty and the Beast attraction, Canada Far and Wide, a new Circle Vision 360 film, will make its debut over in the Canada Pavilion. Scenes will be accompanied by narration from award-winning Canadian actors Catherine O'Hara. Mm. Do you know who she is? I do. She was Lydia's mom in Beetlejuice. Yes. She also played one of the three minions in um, Nightmare Before Christmas. I think, sure. it was, I think it was Locke, maybe. I didn't realize that. Yeah, she's great. When we went live to the um, 2016, when they did the Hollywood Bowl, when they do the Hollywood Bowl every now and then in L.A., yeah. she was there, and they performed... Um, couple songs she sung. It was cool. Nice. She's yeah. also Kevin McAllister's mother in Home Alone. That's right. Yeah. 
I love she's her. Important. But more importantly, she's Lydia's mom, Beetlejuice. Yeah. Well, that's number one. Yeah, for obviously. Sure. Um, and also Eugene Levy, who was the father in American Pie. Uh, yes, he was also on SCTV in his early days as a comedian. And uh, Eugene Levy's cool. Uh, well, those visuals will also be <laughs> complimented by... <laughs> Just tell you're like uh, okay, whatever. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> I have a good poker face. The visuals will also be a com- will also be complemented by a new soundtrack by Canadian composer Andrew Lockington. Now, Lockington will be familiar to fans of Disney's Animal Kingdom as he composed the music to the Tree of Life Awakenings nighttime projection show. Take a listen. Number one. Feel the the majesty. I really can like those uh, trumpets. I guess they were. I'm assuming they were trumpets. Sort of in that uh, sort of manner. I don't know. It's almost like parade music, but but it is very evoking of um, a grand sort of feeling. It's it's very big feeling. Yeah. So I think we're in good hands with Lockington. I think he's got us covered with uh, the Canadian beauty. Um, the new film replaces one running since 2006 that featured Martin Short. So we will be bidding uh, adieu to Martin Short, but uh, welcoming our other friends. I did watch. I we did watch that, and um, it was cool. It was fine. I don't know Martin Short. I feel like is he's just Canadian. He's like the Canadian ambassador. Him and Mike Myers. That's it. I don't know why you need to replace him, but maybe his contract's up. Well, he's a delight. He really is. Just most Canadians are. I find. That's true. Well, the movies don't end there. Over at the Land Pavilion in Future World, or I guess I should say World Nature. That's the new name of that section. The really? film. Yeah, World, that's high. It's going to be World Nature. Uh huh. That's the neighborhood. I feel like they reversed some things and left out some words. It doesn't feel very, I don't know, it doesn't feel very, it doesn't roll off the tongue easy. Well, everything there is now World Something. It's World Mad Lib. So you've got World Showcase, World Celebration, World Nature, and World Discovery. See, I think that's all. I think that's everything. World Showcase is just weird enough to work. You know, it's I a showcase for the world. It, I like it. I think it's cool. But World Nature, it just that doesn't. It's it's um, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't like it. Right. Um. Well, it is coming to World Nature. The film Awesome Planet. That's what's coming. <laughs> Sorry, you serious? That's an- <laughs> <laughs> I, I awesome. don't know who's doing the names over there. A fourteen-year-old boy. Awesome planet. Awesome world planet, nature. man. Yeah. <laughs> this ten-minute film will feature imagery highlighting Earth's beauty and diversity, along with some in-theater effects and a musical score by composer Stephen Price. Price will be familiar to audiences for his soundtrack to the movie Gravity. But but here's where it's interesting because Price also scored a Netflix documentary called Our Planet. Mm-hmm. So Saw he's it. in the planet realm. <laughs> it's it's uh, in his gravitational pull, would you say? 
Yes. Wow. He, he, <laughs> That's layers. In his dude. There you go. Um, so perhaps the soundtrack to Awesome Planet won't be too different from his work on Our Planet. And let's take a listen to what he did over there. Number two. I just really heard David Attenborough's voice in my head talking about the the leaping gazelle <laughs> over the plains or whatever through that music because it is very documentary, you know, um, sounding. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it is a documentary. You can just hear yeah, a little bird. <laughs> um so I think he's well positioned to give us our soundtrack to that. I hope they release it. I hope they get that out there so I can get that on Spectro. Yeah. Do you have a? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm asking. I already know the answer because I mm. know everything. Do you have like a movie night or a movie soundtrack sort of thing? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I knew that. I just wanted you to talk about it. <laughs> Thank you. I think I can't remember what night it is. I think it's either <laughs> Monday or Tuesday night at seven. Okay. Um, you can go to SpectraRadio.us and click on schedule and find out. <laughs> <laughs> it's i've been doing so much with that station right now because of the relaunch on on live 365 so i've got like one i've got the one stream going with that and then i've got the new station going but it's not fully programmed so soon 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 don't worry i will um, that's yeah. the last thing i'll ever do <laughs> was worry about spectra was worry about well worry about you not doing something <laughs> i can see taryn jason what why are you so down what's wrong i'm worried about spectra yeah, I'm like the beast in the corner, just always angry. <laughs> what's got you? What's got Spectro Radio? I don't understand. What's he doing with this schedule? Will he get it out on time? No, I, I never do. <laughs> so your worries are founded. And finally, oh, wait, no, hold on. Let me back up. <laughs> uh, well, no, finally, this winter. Are you sure? It, this yeah. is as specific as the dates get, but this winter um, will bring us two new restaurants at Epcot. Wow. The Regal Eagle Smokehouse will open at the American Adventure Pavilion. Uh, this new fast casual restaurant will feature classic barbecue and homestyle brews to celebrate American backyard barbecue from regions around the United States. And I say, Mazel. <laughs> why? Because. The Tell food offering at the Epcot is known around World Showcase for bringing you culinary delights from around the world. I would agree with that, yes. But in the American Adventure Pavilion, you have this quick service with like French fries. And it's like I've always thought that there could be something there, maybe like a, a New England kind of restaurant. And I, but I think that barbecue is a truly – is like a, it's an American thing. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. So I feel like – but that now that they're going to have some good year-round barbecue there, I think that fits and it does that pavilion some justice. So I'm happy about this. I agree with you. Uh, here's my problem with it because, of course, I have to have a problem with everything is that barbecue is very hard to do. It's easy to do very fast and just kind of blah, but it's hard to do really good. I would I would hate to go there and – you because know, we ate – I think a couple places in World Showcase, but we ate at like the Italy Pavilion. 
We had like yeah. pasta. It was very good. It was $35 for pasta. It was insanely priced, but it was some of like the best sauce. I- it was very, very good. I would hate for, for the quality over at the barbecue pavilion to not be sort of on that on that level. It's it, I don't know. I get very uh, protective over barbecue because I've had some terrible things passed off as, quote, barbecue before, and it just it offends me deeply. Well, I'm going to reserve judgment. Um, I'm not a barbecue expert, such as yourself. Mm, well, clearly. I mean. <laughs> but um, they do have barbecue there during the Food and Wine Festival, and I always enjoy it. So I'm hoping that they will, in a more permanent setting, they will be able to do it justice. And I'm rarely disappointed by the Food and World Showcase, so okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Maybe that's what we should do when I pick you up next week, is uh-huh. we should go get some barbecue on Berkeley. Let's get some barbecue. There's a couple. Everton Jones is like the classic like East Bay barbecue spot. It's a little expensive, but. Is that going to be near San Leandro? We're, we're going to hit San Leandro first. Okay. Potentially. I don't know. We'll see. Well, this is so exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, All right, anyway, barbecue. One, so that's barbecue, but over in World Discovery, you can now dine 220 miles above the Earth in Space 220. A new I, restaurant opening. Yes. I'm looking forward to this. I am looking forward yeah. to this. Big time. Um, this is in world, opening in World Discovery, uh, formerly known as Future World, adjacent to the Mission Space attraction, where guests will take a space elevator 220 miles above the Earth to dine with some spectacular views. This is going to be cool. This is what I expect out of Future World or, you know, whatever, the, what, World Discovery. But, you know, back in the day, they used to have the Living Seas. Then you would take a hydrolator down <laughs> to the... That's the dumbest. <laughs> no, it was the greatest. <laughs> That's the dumbest name, though. That's like the hydrolator. Come on. I loved it. I would, really? I, could, I, I would pay any... I would pay so much money to just one more ride on the hydrolator. <laughs> No, I th- the concept sounds cool. The name sounds like absolute vomit. No, I love it. I love it. Really? What are you going to call it? You got a better idea? Water later? Well, I don't know. Give me give me the person's <laughs> paycheck to come up with it and give me time. Give me a week. I'll give you a better name than Hydra later. What is another lift? Like a, the, the, the Aqua Lift? Aqua Lift is probably not very bad. <laughs> there you go. How about that? Aqua Lift. It's better than Hydro later because first of all... Later implies that you're going to put it off. It's later, not later. Well, how do you how do you say it? Hydrolator. Hi, no, you don't. <laughs> you catch a buggy back to the opera. <laughs> Come on, hydrolator. Obviously, no. I said hydrolator. It's hydrolator. <laughs> and then it also All makes right. me just want to go to the bathroom. Honestly, well, I don't know why. All right. Well, that's my news. Okay. Well, great. Hey, if you're excited to go to Walt Disney World and see some of these things, check out our friends at Concy Ears. You can go to concierge.com, hook up with these people. They are amazing. They will just sit and plan your entire vacation for you. You literally don't have to think of anything except giving them dates. They will take care of everything. They'll take care of your flights and your bus transportation, all your kind of stuff to go to Walt Disney World. They'll take care of your tickets. They'll tell you where to go. They'll help you book reservations. Actually, they'll book reservations for you. If you've never been to Disney World, 
This is the service I would recommend 100%. I haven't used it to go to Disney World, but I will next time because when we went to Disney World, it was the planning that was seriously terrible. We started months before we needed to, and we still didn't even really get to do the stuff that we wanted to do because it's so sort of confusing, especially if you're used to one park, not Disney World. It's it's bananas over there. It's an amazing park, but it's, it's, it's very crazy. So check those people out. They also do Disney Cruise. They do Disneyland Paris, of course, Disney World. They do the runs, the Disney runs. They'll help you plan all that kind of stuff. So if you've ever been interested in doing a Disney run before, but you have no idea what that entails, hit them up, concierge.com. They will uh, definitely get you situated and honestly have the best experience you can for the least amount of work on your end, which is really what we're all about on this show, right? We're definitely about not doing work. <laughs> yeah, as we sit here and frantically write and research our own articles. This is us writing, by the way. This is We're not just reading, you know, Vanity Fair or something. Oh, no. We, uh, we write these. Yeah, that's so sure. that's why they say that wasn't painfully obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, Jeremy. Well, if that's it, we're just going to get out of here, huh? We're getting out. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to In-Depth. We appreciate you being a supporter of this show, as weird as it is. Jeremy, thank you very much for taking time to be weird with me on the show. I'm happy to be weird with you. <laughs> Thanks, man. There's no one who I'd rather be weird with. There we go. I appreciate that. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, for anybody listening to this before December 14th, we will catch you on the 14th for the Ears Up Christmas special. It's going to be a good time. Don't forget to join our Patreon. Five bucks a month. You get access to the secret show, not only just to support the show and get another piece of content that we produce, but we are going to be doing a two-hour secret show after our Christmas special on the 14th. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a good time. And we're going to be drinking. We're going to have like six or eight different drinks to go through. And we're going to be posting all of those recipes online on Patreon. So it's definitely worth it. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.